So, so far in talking about the wrath of God, we've seen what happens when people take lightly the holiness of God and just dismiss it as a, as a, a thing to be played with or, or taken flippantly uh, with Nadab and Abihu. And we've seen what happens when we rebel against the holiness of God in the rebellion of Korah, and neither of them end well. It is a, uh, not a good thing to be in either of those positions. But this week, I think we deal with probably what is one of the more difficult subjects. And the reason for that is this is where, you know, it's kind of easy to see like, oh, well, they, you know, they just completely rebelled against the word of God and, you know, they rebelled against God's leadership. And it, there's a part in us that can say they were asking for it. You know, they were like daring God to do something. But what do we do when it's an honest mistake? Anybody ever had an honest mistake that you really hope that your entire life would not be judged on? You know, and, and you know, wrong thinking, and, and you weren't trying to be rebellious. You were honestly trying to do what's right. You were trying to do what's good. And in a word, you were as sincere as could be, but you were sincerely wrong. What do we do in that instance? This is a hard one. This is where human sensibilities run up against a limit with, with holiness that really we don't want to accept. I'm not, I don't want to say that we don't understand it. We just don't like it. Because we see the real difference here between, shall we say, what happens in this life and perfect holiness. You see, we teach all the time, right, between us, be forgiving, right? Don't, don't overreact. I mean, we need to show grace to each other. We need to forgive. We need to accept each other. And, and that is absolutely true. And God does forgive us. But when it comes to holiness, God's perfect holiness, that he will not compromise. There's a hard truth, and that is there are no honest mistakes when it comes to holiness. You see, we like to rank holiness. We like to rank how good a person can be, and even ourselves. You know, hey, I'm, and we'll even say, you know, I'm a lot better than I used to be, right? And, and we do look at that. We've been sanctified. We've moved along the, the continuum closer to God and things we used to accept, we no longer accept. We've changed. We've grown. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter how far we grow. Holiness is still holiness. will always be, and any violation of holiness deserves God's wrath. And we don't, it's just hard. And so this week, we're going to look in 1 Chronicles 13, 1 through 14, at a story of a guy named Uzzah and an accident that he had. And God's wrath struck him down. He was well-intentioned. He was sincere. He was even trying to worship God in this moment. And yet, God's wrath broke out against him. So look with me in 1 Chronicles chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. It says, David consulted with the commanders of thousands and of hundreds with every leader. 
And David said to all the assembly of Israel, if it seems good to you and from the Lord our God, let us send abroad to our brothers who remain in all the lands of Israel, as well as to the priests and Levites in the cities that have pasture lands that they may be gathered to us. Then let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we did not seek it in the days of Saul. All the assembly agreed to do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of the people. So David assembled all Israel from the Nile of Egypt to Lebo Hamath to bring the ark of God from Kiriath-Jerim. And David and all Israel went up to Baalah, that is, to Kiriath-Jerim that belongs to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord who sits enthroned above the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadab, and Uzzah and Ahio were driving the cart. And David and all Israel were celebrating before God with all their might, with song and lyres and harps and tambourines and cymbals and trumpets. And when they came to the threshing floor of Kidon, Uzzah put out his hand to take hold of the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he struck him down because he put out his hand to the ark, and he died there before God. And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. And that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of God that day. And he said, how can I bring the ark of God home to me? So David did not take the ark home into the city of David, but took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the household of Obed-Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the household of Obed-Edom. And all that he had. So have you ever had the best of intentions and things just went completely awry? That's exactly what happened to David here. And it's the entire nation. Notice he says he, command, he, he went to the commanders of thousands and of hundreds. I mean, he, he gathered the whole nation for a big event. And it was, in fact, a good event. It was a good thing that they wanted to move the ark from where it was into the city of David. I mean, this is a unifying thing. Now, if you don't know, the ark of God was, was what God gave them as a symbol of his presence with them the whole time, okay? And, and it was this box that had within it the, the showbread. It had Aaron's staff that had budded, and it had a copy of the Ten Commandments inside of it. And then on top of it was, was the, the mercy seat. And then on top of that were the cherubim, these angels whose wings kind of touched and is on the top. And it was this beautifully gold overlaid box that was the presence, symbolized the presence of a holy God with them. And I say holy for a reason because it's that holiness that, that matters here. Because the ark was a powerful, powerful thing. God really did bless it, and his presence was there. So wherever the ark was, there was the presence of God. And God gave specific instructions on how to handle the ark and everything that's supposed to be done with the ark that we're going to talk about in a second. But what we can learn first from this story is that we are responsible for the truth. And when I say we're responsible for it, meaning if God has spoken it, he expects us to know it. God does not hold us responsible for things he has not given us, but he holds us fully responsible for the things he has given us. And there will be no overlooking any of it. 
Now, I say that because God has given us the Scriptures. Who in here kind of knows the history of how we got the English Bible? Lots of bloodshed. Lots of sacrifice. God has gone to incredible, even miraculous lengths to record, preserve, and disseminate His Word to us. The fact that everybody in here has a copy of this, whether on your phone or whether a physical copy, is a testimony to the power of God in this world to get his truth to his people. And I mean that. If you know the story of how well the the Bible is preserved, how it's been passed down, how it came, you know, at every turn the enemies of God have tried to stop it and they couldn't. People have been burned at the stake for translating it into other languages out of Latin. I mean, there, there are all kinds of things. And God just continues to kind of march forward to make sure we have his word. And if God has gone to such lengths to make sure we have a copy of his word, wouldn't it make sense that he's going to hold us responsible for what's in it? That we're not going to be able to say, well, God, I, I didn't know. And he's like, um, I gave it to you. You have it. And I even gave it to you in a time where you could kind of read it whenever you wanted. Not everybody has that freedom. There are people in other parts of the world that just have parts of, of the Bible or, or they've heard it and they just memorize it and they say it over and over and over so that they can at least get what they have correct. I'm telling you, what we have right now here in our part of the world with access to the Word of God is unprecedented in world history. We have more tools, we have more ability to study the Word of God than at any point in this world. And I fear we're not taking advantage of it. That we are still woefully ignorant, and I mean that, without judgment, but, but ignorant of what the Word of God says. And God holds us responsible for that. He held Uzzah responsible for his ignorance of the Word of God. And despite their best efforts to do a very good thing, they didn't follow the Word of God. And they paid the price for it. Now, think of this again. The entire nation was involved. This, you know, it's easy for us to be like, well, Uzzah messed up. No, no, no. This was, this was a mistake across the board. David is the one who got the idea. He's king. He's like, yeah, we should, we should bring the ark here. And he clearly puts effort. This isn't a haphazard thing that he has thrown together at the last minute. What is it? He, all of his commanders of thousands, of hundreds, he, the entire nation, he gets the priest, he organizes everybody. It says all the way to the Nile of Egypt. Come and let's do this thing. So this was a monumental undertaking. And yet in that time, what did David not do? He did not consult the scripture to see how I should do it. Now think of that. He goes to all of this effort and yet never once thinks we better make sure we do this right. This is the ark of God we're talking about. 
But lest David be the one that, you know, is completely railed on here, who did he also call? He said he called every priest in the entire tribe of Levites to come. Now, what was the priest's job, as we learned last week with, uh, in the last two weeks, what was the job of the priests? To teach the people about holiness? So aren't they the ones that should have been like, oh, whoa, David, hold on a second. You're, are we doing this the right way? None of them, not one priest stood up and is like, um, I was reading and I think we're doing it wrong. Nobody. And then the entire nation gets involved too. So the people who have had the word of God for hundreds of years now, nobody even in the crowd is like, hey guys, why is that on a cart? What are you doing? This is wrong. Nobody. Isn't that scary? That the entire nation, and I need you to just grab onto this. The entire nation was excited about serving God, had the very presence of God there, had been blessed by God in incredible ways, and nobody was familiar with God. Let that sink in. Nobody, even David, a man after God's own heart, this just slipped his mind completely. And I'm going to say, in a sense, poor Uzzah paid the price for this. Now, Uzzah also had no excuse. He could have read, he could have gone himself to the word and said, okay, what happened? Because Uzzah died because he himself was unaware of the holiness of God and the commands of God. And what they were doing, God showed grace until it crossed a line that God had to act. They literally forced God's hand in this. And he had to act or he would not have been able to show himself as holy. Think about that. They forced him to break out in wrath against them. You see, in all of the excitement, in all of the national zeal, in all of the religious zeal, of all of the, 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 the pomp and circumstance of this situation, which is great. They got the whole nation. They got the band out there. They got intense worship going on. People are praising. They're lifting their hands. Think of the greatest worship ever, and you see it happening, and they're neglecting some of the most basic details that were there. And what were they? Well, let's look. In Exodus 25, 13 through 15. It says, you shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And you shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to what? To carry the ark. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. So built hard wired right into the ark is the answer. And this is something that I find amazing is because God's ways typically do this. God doesn't hide it from us. He kind of hardwires in everything that we need right there in his commands, right there in his word. And if we just pay attention to it, it's all right there. And so in Numbers 4.15, he said, And when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings of the sanctuary as the camp sets out, they're talking about how to move the camp then. So they had the tabernacle and in the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. So he's telling them how to move it safely. And after the, and after 
The sons of Kohath shall come to carry these, but they must not touch the holy things lest they die. Okay, so God said, okay, you take these wooden poles and you overlay them with gold and you put them through the rings on the ark to carry the ark. And then he says later, don't touch the holy items or you will die. What has he done? He's provided everything necessary to faithfully follow him, to obey him. And then in Deuteronomy 10.8, it says, at that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord to stand before the Lord to minister to him and to bless his name. So how are they to carry it? With the wooden poles that were there. Are they to touch it? No, they'll die. And who is to carry it? The Levites. It's all right there in God's word. You see, it's not like God hid it. And this is something we've got to understand is that knowledge of the truth is literally the difference between life and death when it comes to the kingdom of God. The difference in life and death. And God will not compromise that for anyone. And when I say anyone, he wouldn't even compromise that for his son. Jesus Christ faced temptations that every single one of us would have failed in. And he said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He was committed to the truth and he knew it and it guided him. And he says, I do nothing of my own accord. I do only what I see the father doing. I I do and say only what I've been commanded. God will not compromise his truth. His holiness. And if he has revealed to us, gone to the incredible lengths that he has to give us his word, the history, everything that we need is there. He has given us everything necessary pertaining to life and godliness. He has given us his word. He has given us his spirit. And he will hold us responsible for knowing it. And if we go through life and then things happen and we make a mess of things, we're like, God, where were you? He says, I was right here in my word all along. Had you been listening to it? Had you been paying attention to it? If you had lived by it, you wouldn't have made the choices you did. That's on you. We don't like that because we we like to think that our intentions matter more than our actions. And they don't. Especially in the kingdom of God. Now, I understand with each other, there can be, in a sense, innocent mistakes in which we had faulty information, we, we you know, made... And we made a mistake, and we need to look and say, look, my intention was not this. Here's why I did this. I see now it's wrong. Forgive me, and we forgive each other, and we move on. And we do understand there are honest mistakes when it comes to each other. But when it comes to God, there are no honest mistakes. And I mean that. There are no honest mistakes. There are mistakes made in ignorance. But that is no excuse. And it doesn't matter how badly we want to do what God tells us to do. If we don't, it doesn't matter. Because sincerity does not excuse sin. And this is where we get tripped up today as people. I just, I have had so many conversations with people that they're like, well, God knows my heart. I'm like, yeah, you're right, He does. What did He say about it? 
The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately ill. Who can know it? Well, God knows it. He knows our heart. Now, that, I don't say that in condemnation. It's just saying when we want to fool ourselves into believing that our intentions, that we should only be judged on our sincerity and our intentions, God says, oh, no, no, no. We're going to judge on were you holy or not. You may have wanted to be holy and failed completely miserably like everyone does for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what we're judged on. Because God will not compromise his holiness. And so in this sense, Uzzah was not guilty of the rebellious spirit that Korah had. But you know what he was guilty of? Ignorance. God had sent out the warning in multiple places in Scripture many, many years before. And even a cursory evaluation of how to care for and carry the ark and what, to move the ark, even understanding what the ark was, you will run into very quickly. Don't touch it. Don't touch the ark under any circumstances. And you're supposed to carry the ark. And here's how it works. And here's the specific people who are supposed to carry it. I mean, it doesn't take long if you're looking through it and you're studying it to find it. And so the truth here is Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. What does that tell us about human sincerity? <laughs> that we can be sincere and yet sincerely wrong. God isn't going to be like, well, he didn't mean to. He didn't mean to. She didn't mean to. She was trying to do something else, so I'm going to go ahead and let it, let it slide this time. Nope. God says... Holy or not. And the truth is that we are not and never have been equipped to judge right and wrong for ourselves. Did you know that? What was the very first sin in the garden? Don't eat from the tree of what? The knowledge of good and evil. See, what God was saying is that I have not equipped you to be a judge unto yourself. Let me guide you. Let me tell you how to live. Live to glorify me and I will bless you and I'll be your God and you'll be my people and I will be glorified and you will be blessed and that's the way this is going to work. And man said, no, I'd like to decide for myself. And God says, I, you really don't want to do that. And when we decide to decide for ourselves, we make a mess of things every time. And it's just the truth. It's, it's every time. So it's no surprise that when we rely on ourselves and our own judgment in a moment, we fail. You see, what happened with Uzzah, if you remember, is they put the ark on a new cart, which was one, a Philistine practice. The Philistines are the one that moved around their idols, and they said if it was a new cart and, and like a, a donkey that's never pulled or an oxen that's never pulled anything, then it's pure, and that was their concept of holiness, and God disagreed but they were following a cultural norm. So everybody around, see, this is where they don't understand that they've been compromised by their culture. And so everybody around is like, oh, yeah, new cart, cool. This must be important. But it was wrong. And so they're going along, and they actually had quite a long trip that was uneventful, and they're praising, and that, yes, this is amazing, this is amazing. And then one of the oxen stumbles... 
And what does that do to the cart when an ox stumbles? It jolts it. And when it jolted, what happened? The ark starts to fall off. And Uzzah, sincerely wanting to protect and help in, in all of this, is like, oh, i got to stop it. And he touches the ark, and God says, now you have to die. Now you have to die because the ark is holy and you're not and you don't touch the ark under any circumstances ever. And people could look at that and say, but he was, the ark might have been busted. It had broken. He was saving it. How is, this a, how is this a sin? Because God's command said don't touch the ark. End of story. But what if the ark was broken? Well, you see, God set it up so that if they were doing it properly, the ark would never be in danger. Because when you got these long poles on the other side and one of the Levites starts to stumble and he even goes down, what happens? Well, one, it's not that far up off the ground. But even the pole, if it starts to hit the ground, the pole will hit the ground first, break the fall, and the others will be able to steady it. So, no, you don't have this situation where things are out of control and God hardwired all of that into the, the, the system. If they had paid attention to the Scriptures, God put every safeguard, guardrail, and instruction that was necessary so that the ark doesn't kill them en route. And they ignored all of it. Now, when we go to thinking like Uzzah did, bad things happen. Because he just reacted out of what was in his nature. Oh, i got to stop it. But it showed that he was clearly unaware of God's commands and God's holiness. And he didn't fear it. Like he had no fear of touching the ark right there. Because if he was fully convinced of what was going to happen, he'd have been like, oh, nope. Not. <laughs> he'd have watched it hit the ground like I'm still not touching it. But here's the logical conclusion of when we trust our own sincerity and our own intentions. And it's frightening. Because in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? You think it was sincere prophecy? Yeah, fully sincere. And cast out demons in your name. Was it sincere? Yeah. And do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Notice he didn't say you insincere people. What did he say? He says workers of lawlessness. You know why? Because they neglected his word. We are judged, judged by the law. The law can only kill us. And we look, the Ten Commandments. Anybody in here broken one of the Ten Commandments? Please, everybody raise your hand. Okay? That's what we will be judged on on Judgment Day if you are not in Christ. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, you will be judged by the law. And we are all guilty of breaking the law. And that's what Jesus says. If I don't know you, then the law will judge you and they'll say, oh, but we were sincere. We, we, we really lived our lives for you. And he says, yeah, but you didn't know me. 
I didn't know you. So depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Sincerity has nothing to do with it at this point. The human heart cannot be the final arbiter of truth and holiness. Because we will get it wrong. And one of the most consistent warnings of Scripture is that we can't trust ourselves apart from the Spirit and the Word of God. It's consistent. When Jesus tells people that they've been sincere, or when Jesus tells us as many people will have been very sincere and on the last day find out they were sincerely wrong. That's what they're going to find out. That they weren't judged on the intent of their heart, they were judged on the result of their action. And if the result of their action broke the law of God, they're guilty. And the Bible is clear about this over and over and over, that this is the state of who we are. Isaiah 64, 6, we have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. And Uzzah's mistake is he forgot this was true about him. He forgot that the ark was holy and he forgot that he was sinful and he reached out and touched that which is holy with a sinful hand and died. And God was 100% justified in what he did. Now, did God enjoy it? No. But I don't think he was hesitant either. I don't think he hesitated for one moment. The scripture had been given. The warning was there. Everything, it was all there. And he said, look, I told him if they, it's his fault if he doesn't read the scripture and know what I require. And in that moment, he died. Now, if we don't understand in ourselves that the foundation that we draw from in our own heart, if we draw from our own heart and not from the Word of God, not from the Spirit of God, not from a relationship with Jesus Christ, if those are not our foundation but our own heart is, we're just like Uzzah. Every one of us. We can be as sincere as the day is long and still be struck down by God's wrath. But here's the good news in this. Did you know God will empower what he requires? And like I said, with the ark, he kind of hardwired it all in. I mean, don't you think somebody at some point should have looked at those long poles sticking out of the side and said, I think those should be used for something. Why are we putting this on a cart? I think just from a cursory evaluation of the structure of the item, God wants us to carry it. <laughs> I think you could, you know, logic should kind of get you there. But you see, that's how blind we become when we allow ourselves to be influenced culturally when we don't know the Word of God. We'll just completely miss the obvious that God puts right in front of us. But when we seek to honor Him, and I mean this, when we seek to honor Him, it becomes clear as day. Now, how many in here, I, I want a show of hands, that you, you clearly have a time in your life when you didn't know the Word of God and then you, you genuinely put the effort in and you learned, got a good foundation of the Word of God. How many of you noticed things become clear and obvious on that other side? I'm not saying you've got life figured out, like it's all, you know, you got all the answers, but you just start to look at things and you're like, oh, that's, yeah, 
It's clear. I, I get what God wants. Now, doing it is still another challenge, and I, you know, we all fail. And it, but, I mean, it just starts to become obvious. You're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, God wants me to love my neighbor. He really means that. Okay. Oh, God said, don't touch the ark. I've read it like 19 times in the Old Testament. I get it. You see, God won't compromise his holiness, but he also doesn't expect us to do the impossible. He knows we're sinful and broken and incomplete. He knows all of this. And so what he does command of us, he will provide the means to do it. And this is where we can be grateful. It's like, okay, God doesn't just throw me out there and just watch me fail just to fail. He, he provides literally for what he requires. And David eventually kind of got there. And, and as soon as you know, he finally figured this out, he went back to the scripture and was like, oh, this is our fault. We did this. And he calls the nation back together. <laughs> and he says, let's try this again. So listen, in First Chronicles chapter 15, it says, Then David summoned the priests, Zadok and Abiathar, and the Levites, Uriel, Isaiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Eliel, and Aminadab, and said to them, You are the heads of the fathers of the house of the Levites. Consecrate yourselves, you and your brothers, so that you may bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place that I have prepared for it. Who did he go get? The priests, the Levites, those that are supposed to. In verse 13, because you did not carry it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not seek him according to the rule. So the priests and the Levites consecrated themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, and the Levites carried the ark of God on their shoulders with the poles as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. So this is take two. And this time they get it right. Say, and he just calls the, the high priest. I mean, he calls the head priest. He's like, all right, guy, you have a job to do. I wonder if that was an embarrassing meeting or, you know, was it one of those meetings of David like dressing them down or they're like, you know what, we all messed up. Let's just make sure we get it right this time. Because he tells them like, because you didn't do this. Like you had a responsibility. I had a responsibility as king. You had a responsibility. We all failed. All of us. So let's get it right this time. And so then, another interesting point, First in Chronicles 15, 25-26, it says, So David and the elders of Israel and the commanders of thousands went to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from the house of Obed-Edom with rejoicing. So we're praising, we're having a good time again, we're worshiping God. Verse 26, And because God helped the Levites who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, they sacrificed seven bulls and seven rams. What did they become aware of this go around? It says he helped them. So they're looking at this huge box and they got a miles, miles and miles to carry this thing. And I wonder at what point the Levites are like, I should be getting tired by now. And I'm not. And they just keep walking and they keep going. And you know, he looks down and he's like, oh, there's a hole. Don't step in that. And that as they keep going... They start to notice, like, this trip is way easier than it should be. God's helping us. Why? Because God commanded us to do it, and He's not going to abandon us to fail in doing the things He commanded. He's going to provide for us. That's called grace. 
And so he's like, okay, I got it in mind now to treat this thing as holy, not to touch it, to follow my commands. And okay, I'm going to help you now. And as they acknowledge the help, what do they do? They worship then. You can see as they're, they're carrying it along. And they're like, hey, you guys go get some bulls and rams and sacrifice them because God is present. This is amazing. And worship starts to break out in ways that even before it hadn't. So everybody's praising God. They're still celebrating. And now specific worship begins to happen. And this is powerful. You see, God's commands, rather than being burdensome, became a means for God's presence and help in their life. You see, we could, we could look at this one of two ways and say, you expect me to carry the ark all the way from here to here? God, are you crazy? Or you can take it from faith and say, okay, we have to carry the ark. It's going to take some time, but you know what? We'll just do it. We'll carry the ark. And they're doing it, and then they realize God's helping them. And they're like, hey, God has shown up. The Holy Spirit is here. God is enabling this journey, and it's happening. And they praise God, and instead of them becoming burdensome, it becomes a path of worship and celebration of the goodness of God. Isn't that amazing? That on one side we can look at the commands of God as burdensome and on the other side after we've obeyed them we realize they were actually there to protect us and provide for us at the same time. And they drew us closer to God through the process. This is how it works. You see, God won't compromise His holiness but He also doesn't want to destroy us. Like I said before, if He wanted to destroy us we'd all be gone. And so God created a system of grace whereby His holiness is maintained and we get to come into relationship with Him. And the greatest example of that is what Jesus did on the cross. We are all guilty of sin. We are all that impure Uza that, that cannot touch that which is holy without dying. And the ark represents the presence and holiness of God. And one day, every person will stand before God in judgment and give an accounting of their lives. And those who are not made holy through the blood of Jesus Christ will suffer the second death of judgment and be cast into hell. But again, God provided for that which He requires. What does He require of His people? Absolute holiness. Just like He is holy, so we are to be holy. Anybody in here attain that yet? If you figure it out, let me know. You can have my job. But in the meantime, God has provided the means for us to be holy, and that is the sacrifice of His Son for us. That if we believe, we are made new. See, God provided he had a command and he provided the means to fulfill it for us. And all of this is shadowed throughout the Old Testament and it all points towards that one great thing that God has provided in Jesus Christ. And so don't allow yourself to fall into the trap of thinking your intentions and your sincerity are what matter. Look at yourself through the lens of holiness and then run to the cross when you figure out you're not holy. 
Make a beeline straight to the cross and thank God for what he has provided for you in Jesus Christ. If you haven't been saved, if you have not accepted that gift of salvation, then you can do that today. The book of Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You just have to ask. It is a matter of faith that if we will believe and ask, he will provide that which he has required. He will provide the holiness that every one of us lacks. And he did that through Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you today and Lord... We thank you for the grace that you have shown us over and over again. God, so many times in life, we we are like this man Uzzah. That we want to judge by intentions and we even act out of our own intentions and reactions in ways that are contrary to your holiness, in ways that are sinful. And God, we thank you for the grace that you have shown us. And Lord, we pray that that just drives us to the cross and our faith in you, Lord Jesus, would grow. Our gratitude for what you have done for us would grow. God, that we would live a life of thanks. We would live a life of gratitude for the grace that you have shown us through the cross. That our focus would not be on ourselves or even allow the the culture around us to describe or, or define what is right or wrong, but God, that we would focus on you. Make us new through your spirit. God, if there are any here who have not accepted you, God, I pray that you would speak to their heart now, that they would ask you to come into their lives. That they would confess that they're a sinner and cry out to you for salvation and be made new. God, help us to be faithful. God, help us to to be faithful to your word so that we don't put ourselves in a situation that Uzzah found himself in. God, that we would follow you from the start. That we wouldn't be tempted by the new carts. That we wouldn't be led away by the the thought of the work of carrying the ark in our lives. That we would embrace your commandments. We would embrace who you are. And so experience the blessing that comes with it. God, it's in Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Amen.